Welcome back, rugby fans, to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Brogger, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar face of Scott, the big guy Ferrara. But joining us today to be able to battle it out here on this rugby debate show where we put our guests to the test for top honors, we have two special guests. One I want to introduce first up is Roland Pratt. You know the voice from his experience in MLR at OGDC, being one of the unseen personalities for the broadcast team, in addition to also hosting his own podcast with the Road to Glory. Roland, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Looking forward to taking the title back to DC. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Coming out of the gate strong already with a statement there. I see uh, Scott's laughing because he knows the real score lines. <laughs> yeah. Roland, Roland and Rob are on like the same wavelength. Rob's like, oh, we beat you guys by 23. And I'm like, but we're Rooney's beating you in the standing. So what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. That's like a chihuahua nipping at your heels. You're like, oh, yeah. that's cute. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a tad bigger than a chihuahua, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, the personality that we love and why you're back here with us for the second time <laughs> on the Rugby Rand podcast. But let's uh, turn our attention to our first time guest. Uh, special honor to be able to have somebody uh, of this nature who comes from my neck of the woods back in South Africa, not far away from where I grew up in Cape Town, Tinas uh, Pinar. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, you know, it truly is an honor. But b- before I, I I hand it over to you, I want to also let people know that this is a fortunate opportunity where we get to be able to bring on one of our sponsors um, with Rugby Coffee, who have of course joined us for uh, the rest of the season and will continue to be able to be uh, supporting us. But we want to be able to give you the opportunity to learn more about them from somebody involved with them. So, Ian Tinas, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us a little bit more about Rugby Coffee. Thank you, guys. Thanks. It's a blessing to be on the show at last, and it feels like we've always been uh, been connected, but here we go. Uh, yeah, guys, Rugby Coffee, um, hoping to bring to the American market a, uh, you know, a brew that's special and unique. Uh, firstly, Rugby Coffee, for those that don't know, started in the pandemic, June 2020. It was one of the blessings when a phone call from old teammates of mine. There we go, Ty, enjoy that brew. Um, an old teammate of mine, Corne Duran, phoned me up with an idea uh, how to make the game more affordable to kids, how to provide opportunities where there hasn't been before, both of us being coaches, both of us being in development, both of us having a passion for the oval ball and wanting to spread the gospel. Um, our idea was coffee, or Corne's idea was coffee, and, and then where to go from there. And my connection was coffee and uh, the special story behind that. But that'll come. Uh, that'll come soon. For now, we've been blessed. We've got seven, eight brand ambassadors now worldwide representing our brand. We've got a fantastic uh, rugby podcast, like the Rugby Rant, and the guys drinking our coffee, uh, sharing our values, uh, sharing that what we're trying to do with the rugby uh, North American rugby market. Um, and from our side, we are just grateful to have a chance to 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 bring the two together, rugby and coffee, and, and bring something special that there wasn't been before. And it truly is. And I tell you, you know, I speak for, for, for our entire team, Scott and Rob, of course, included. One of the reasons we wanted to work with you guys is that you live a philosophy that resonates with rugby fans, which is a motivation to give back to the game. And, you know, what better reason to be able to pick up a cup of coffee when you know that a piece of the proceeds goes to developing rugby in particular youth rugby, which is that next generation. And so it was an easy fit for here on the Rugby Rant. So again, Tina, thank you for sharing that story. But I'd like to be able to share with our fans how the Rugby Rant debate will work. Now, as per usual, you as the rugby fans on the MLR Fan Zone have had the opportunity to be able to decide what we'll talk about in a poll that was posted on Sunday. Now, come Monday, we decided, okay, what will it be? What came out on tops? Number one, by far, by the way, uh, was to be able to learn more about what we think, what they think on screen about the upcoming proposed test match between the USA Eagles and that of uh, the All Blacks uh, to be hosted in Vegas do we think it's a good idea? Do we think it's a bad idea? What do we think are some of the benefits? 
And what are the demerits that surround this proposal? And we're going to be able to remind all of our viewers and our on-screen personalities here that they have two minutes to be able to rant about each topic. Should they go over that time, they'll be awarded a yellow card. And that means that they will be, of course, sitting out for another round should they infringe even further when receiving a red card. So we would like to be able to keep it moving around the screen. Gentlemen, you now know the rules. Are we ready? We're ready, Ty, but, you know, Let's here's the it. thing, you, you know, the topic, yeah, the topic I think coincides with something that we need to talk about, um, the rugbyshop.com, you know, the rugbyshop.com has a lot of things. I mean, they have our rugby ranch shirts. They have a lot of um, club team memorabilia, um, my rugby Manitoba uh, hat in particular, which I, I love, and that's another hat including this Utah hat that I wear that my wife's like, you have to stop wearing it. We have to wash it because it's just disgusting how much, how much <laughs> you wear it. But other, besides me and my terrible personal habits, the rugby shop.com can fit all your rugby needs. I mean, they could do custom kit from head to toe, literally from mouthpiece to your cleats. And they do have national team, um, you know, uh, uh, clothing selection. Cause we're going to be talking about the Eagles and we're going to talk, we're going to be talking about the all blacks. Um, you know, and most importantly, guys, get your rugby rant, uh, rugby rant merch there. We have these great shirts here. We have those great trucker hats. Um, you see me and Ty wearing before. So please go to rugbyshop.com for all your rugby needs. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that again, Scott, uh, jumping in there because it's important to be able to recognize all the partners that make the show possible. So returning to the uh, the matter at hand, um, we're going to be starting this rant off with our guest as we like to be able to hand the floor over to Tinas uh, to be able to learn more about what he thinks about the, of course, proposed test match between the USA Eagles and that of the All Backs being taking place in Vegas. So once again, take the floor, Tinas, tell us what you think. Fantastic, guys. Yeah. Uh, coming from South Africa, Ty, and uh, as you said in the beginning, that's our, uh, our connection. Uh, Southern Hemisphere rugby, uh, and it goes without saying, South Africa, the All Blacks, Australia. Uh, the culture runs deep, the, the, the passion, the pride, the commitment. Not taking any, anything away from European or Southern Hemisphere rugby as well as North American rugby. But um, my journey started in the States back in 2000 and 1999. Uh, and I, I experienced the lack of the culture, the lack of that deep running commitment to the game. Back then, 2010, I had the, 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 the fortune to be in Canada on honeymoon with my beautiful wife and ends me sitting today here in Canada another 10 years later. And I experienced the same thing this side. And currently now in the last five, six months that I've been here and really been back in the trenches, if you want to call it, trying to promote uh, development, trying to promote the love of the game. And some people just looking at me as, who is this foreigner? Because it's almost like I, dif I speak a different language. I know I have a different accent, but <laughs> it's like I speak a different language. And uh, that language can only be experienced when you have the haka done by the All Blacks. Now, the haka done by the All Blacks in a stadium, and I know you guys, or what I've read on the internet so far, uh, is talks of Las Vegas hosting it, or wherever it's hosted in a 70,000-plus seater stadium. My pick would be the Coliseum, but that's for later discussion. Uh, that I get goosebumps just sitting of that moment. I pray to be there when it does happen in October, and I hope the border is opened up here, which is less than two kilometers away from me, the Ambassador Bridge. I'll be the <laughs> first like one. on the door. <laughs> yeah. It's like, please let me in. My, the, you know? So the moment that's open, I will be there. I will be one of the right. people in the stand having goosebumps. I'll be one of the people in the stand that will be crying uncontrollably because that's how deep it runs for me. I'm South African, but when the All Blacks play and they do the haka, tears run down my face. The American and the Canadian public so badly needs exposure to things that run deep like that. And I say that without any, uh, uh, you know, um, it, they just need to experience it. Yes, the last time the All Blacks played, uh, you know, yes, I think it was 70, 80 point uh, margin. Mm -hmm. and that's fine. That's fine. Um, I'm going to take it back to, to my experience and I uh, can only come from there. I uh, was involved for seven years, six, seven years now at the school, Parovale High down in Somerset West. Uh, we were rated in the below 100 uh, in the biggest scheme of things in just the Western Cape in South Africa. But 
when I signed up to play Rondebosch and Bishops and those schools, people again looked at me, what's wrong with this guy? Well, what's wrong with him is you do not know what the opposition is, the tempo of the game is like, the magnitude of the hits you're going to be getting, the, the speed, the, all of that. There we go. So you need to experience it in order to, 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 to be able to get there one day yourself. So I'll leave it there. All I right. see I'm being warned and I don't want to get my first card <laughs> on my first show. So bye. <laughs> Technically, for those of you who aren't well-versed in how we uh, indicate that uh, these guys are going a little bit long, I gave him a signal. He ignored the first one. He ignored the second one. <laughs> I mean, Ty, if you, if you don't show tennis the cheese, it's, we're going to revolt here. Hold on, hold on. I'll be right back. Oh, you said He forgets the card. We, we love oh, you, tennis, and it was an inspiring tale, but the referee has to be fair to the laws. You got the cheese, my friend. No problem. Oh, no my problem. God, he's like J.P. Doyle in the corner over there. let's take a moment to be able to kind of revisit some of the things you said and uh before then i want to be able to just make sure that everybody recognizes how you feel about this idea this proposed test match one thing that you said that i think is great is that it's about a rugby culture. It's about sharing that rugby culture, putting it on a platform for others to enjoy that very same rugby experience, but also providing the highest quality of that product as well, right? When you introduce the All Blacks, you know, even though America and Canada may very well have a limited knowledge about rugby, what knowledge they do have probably includes the All Blacks. And uh, that's that's important. That's why this model has been used in the past, right? Why they've been here in 2000 and what was it, 14 and the Maoris in 2018. I might be yeah. wrong on those dates, but at least about those times. The second thing that I love that you said there, Tinas, is the fact that you don't know how good you are until you play somebody better than yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is one of the crucial points there that will resonate with me that you said that I hope it will resonate with fans too, but we're not going to put words in their mouth. We're first going to make sure that Roland has the words coming out of his mouth and there's plenty of them. So let's hand it over. Yeah. I certainly got a lot to say on this particular subject because I'm just absolutely jonesing to go back to Las Vegas for a rugby event. (laughs) Uh, uh, So <laughs> Could you point me to the rugby, please? <laughs> uh, uh, so first and foremost, we've all been sat on our butts for over a year now. Let's be honest. Um, and we're all just dying to get out and have a laugh with our friends again. For me, that's the most important thing. I'm a uh come from the you know, at the sevens team with the Beltway Elite team, and we've gone to the Las Vegas invitational uh, a couple of times now and um Myself and lots of my friends, just it's been a mecca for us, you know. It's been some of the best times. If we can have that event, I believe they're going to have it in the new Raiders Stadium, which was it's absolutely amazing. If you've seen any of the mock ups of it, I have never seen a stadium quite like it. It has the biggest video board that there's ever been in history, I think, um, uh, above the stadium field. That being said, for the fans, we People travel to Vegas. There's so much to do there. There's so many other things going on at the exact same time that it's a brilliant melting pot for the rugby community to come around, watch the game, go do a few other things at the casinos and the other things that are happening around the area. It's also something that needs to be said. It's a wonderful place to do rugby business. Um, I've seen a lot of deals being struck over there over the years um, with people coming in, selling their wares and things like that and their ideas and getting things launched. And when you have these events, uh, um, a perfect example was when the Welsh uh, South Africa game happened in DC. That's where uh, Paul Sheehy and Kristen Levy met each other. Uh, so which is where Old Glory started. Uh, you know, so there's things like this that we can always, um, uh, you know, talk about, but, uh, there's more to it than just the game. 
Finally, I want to say that I think at the All Blacks, while they're playing, it'll be an All Black 15 side, which is probably like, um, for want of a better word, it's like the B side. Uh, but as we all know, South Africa could put out three 15s teams that'd all be in the top 10 in the world, let's be honest. Uh, so the drop-off in quality there uh, won't be an awful lot. It'll be much more beneficial for the New Zealanders figuring out what their World Cup squad is going to look like, as opposed to the American squad, who are really going to you know struggle to stay in the, the in that particular game but i'm completely on board with Dennis and saying that you have to play up now that we have all these american players playing in mlr really achieving great things now is the time guys now is the time to uh you know spread your wings and have a go you know and uh hopefully no, don't do it to me, man. Don't do it to me. <laughs> you know what? To hell with it. I'm taking the yellow. I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Finish your thought. Finish your thought. So I, I just think that it's a great idea and, you know, everybody should get on board with it. And hopefully if COVID dies down, you know, we can put on a wonderful event for everybody to get back on track and feel like, you know, we're rugby fans again. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's rewind a little bit. Lots of passion inside that because obviously you know, being a rugby enthusiast, that you want to see the best possible rugby being played and the All Blacks, in any version of the All Blacks, is going to be a part of that quality rugby experience. You know, I, I love that you reminded everybody that, and, and I don't think everybody has quite latched onto this point. I tried bringing it up a couple of times on social media, but it didn't quite resonate. So it's, I'm happy that you brought it up. What team may be fielded from the All Blacks would most likely not be their first team. And here's why. It's not because they have less respect for, for the Eagles. It's because they're trying to identify the next generation of players two years ahead of the Rugby World Cup, right? So where do you start developing those players? You don't do it two months before the World Cup. You do it right now, if not even sooner, right? Yeah. So uh, it, it's important that that two things that team that will play will still be quality rugby. It's not unlike some of the models that have been used by the South American teams with the Argentina 15s, which is still very competitive. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes. And, of course, Vegas, as you rightly pointed out, is an entertainment hub. So if you can create the right package that is inviting for people who want entertainment value, whether it be to bring their family along, whether it be for themselves a night out, they've got everything in Vegas Plus, you get to watch some rugby, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, in a brand spanking new stadium, which is, I think, 70,000 seater. Somebody correct me it if is. I'm wrong. Yeah, we'll, I think it is. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that when, we, when I get my two minutes. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> so with, with, with that being said, Scott probably deserves his turn. So let's hand it over to him. Let's get hot, baby. So Allegiant Stadium, the new stadium that the Raiders are going to play, like Roland was talking about, is insane. It's the most up-to-date stadium we've ever seen. It's that they actually the moniker has stuck. They call it the Death Star, like from Star Wars, because <laughs> of the shape and it's black. And you know the Raiders, wow. the Raiders have the black hole and all that stuff. But for rugby, it will probably seat around sixty thousand, not the seventy thousand it would seat for football, because they have retractable um, um, stands to get that that pitch size that we would need for rugby. Yeah. So the other thing is, what kind of surface will we will we will we be seeing this match on? It has two different surfaces. It has the grassy turf surface that like Rooney plays on at their municipal stadium, which is used for UNLV football. But the Los Angeles or the Las Vegas Raiders, they have a grass field that rolls out because it's a dome stadium and climate controlled. It rolls out to to get sunlight, just like they do it in Arizona. So the first question is. What surface are we going to use? Are we going to be able to use that grassy surface? More likely than not, I think we're going to be on the grassy turf because remember, it's October. We're in the middle of football season. I don't think the Raiders are going to allow us to quote unquote mess up their turf. You know, if next week they have a home game, what happens if, you know, there's a major issue with it? So that, that comes into question. You know, a lot of people are talking about Vegas. Why should it be there? I think it should be in Vegas. One, it's a dome, so it's climate controlled, so we won't have a mess uh, if weather happens. Two, we're still going to have COVID restrictions, and we're going to have to work around places that will allow us to work around the NFL schedule and sanitizing these things in between the schedule. So that's another reason why you would pick Las Vegas. And then third, like I said, 60,000-seat stadium, it's big enough. Um, even if it's not, you know, the quote-unquote, you know, top-tier All Blacks, you're still going to get a lot of people to go there. 
also, listen, in this country, Vegas is one of those cities that thrives on tourism. So I feel like if we're going to start allowing people back, coming back into the country from outside of here to really do touristy things, why not try and help out Vegas, who for the past year and a half has had issues because nobody could go there and their economy is taking a dump, you know, versus the bigger cities where you know everybody's going to go to those bigger cities. But if we can open up and say, watch the Raiders play football, and then the next weekend, watch, you know, the All Blacks take on the Eagles. Stay through the whole week. Make a whole week out of it. People will go, you know, Europeans go on holiday, Southern Hemisphere, people from the Southern Hemisphere. They go on holiday for the whole week. They can catch a Raiders game on one Sunday and Eagles game the next Saturday and fly home. So, uh, yes, I love the fact that you say that, okay, the Raiders is obviously a new stadium. It's exciting. I wonder, you know, if the timing is right. I mean, obviously, they're still waiting for the uh, the NFL schedule to be released so they can figure out. Well, I would. I would. I mean, they haven't released the schedule, but that doesn't mean the schedule's not written. Sure. And obviously there's conversations where they have a framework at least and say, yeah, yeah. otherwise they wouldn't be revealing this type of information if it wasn't actually foreseeable. So you have to imagine that those things are being taken into account. But if they have, you know, you got a stadium that's new, it's exciting, it's got versatile pitch, it's got versatile stadium capacity. Um, You know, it's interesting that rugby could be a part of that launch. And if you could tie these things together, I don't think they're thinking this, this, this team, but what a great way to be able to introduce football fans to rugby and uh, rugby fans internationally to to American football, right? Because both have an op- an upside to it. So I wonder if those type of conversations are being had. If there's that type of synergy in mind, who knows, right? Uh, but here are some of the things that I'd like to be able to share, and I'll put them out to 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 Scott because you know he finished the last thought. When people are talking about Vegas, a lot of other fans that we know and also other people that are very active in, in, in our social media groups saying, why Vegas? Stop with this Vegas. Vegas is not the mecca for rugby. Why do we keep gravitating towards Vegas? What about, as Tinas had mentioned, a suitable candidate in LA with the Coliseum? Why couldn't it be Chicago, who's proven to host successful events of the same nature? What do you say to that, Scott? Well, again, you have to go by COVID restrictions and what you think the, te- the what you think the team and the leagues will allow. We're in the middle of college uh, football and NFL football season, two of the biggest money makers in sports in this country. So, who's going to allow us to do that? And Mark Davis and the Davis family, who own the Raiders, have been have proven uh, that you know their their motto is "Just Win, Baby." So, if they see an opportunity, they're going to take it. And and I think they see this opportunity to negotiate this deal as a plus for them. Um, but. Uh, why Vegas? You know, we had, you know, we always have the sevens tournament there. You know, we had um, um, MLR there the last two weeks in 2020, but we also didn't have Allegiant Stadium. We didn't have the Death Star that seated 70 or 60,000 people for a rugby match. And, you know, those one-off uh, test matches, it's it's not, you're not just putting saying it's the rugby Mecca, but that's, you're trying to open up this brand new stadium. That's, you know, again, one of the most advanced stadiums in the world. Why don't you want to showcase it if you're the USA Eagles? Right. You have to imagine there's some residual marketing value that all the hype around the stadium and then a rugby product, which is lesser known, by extension, gets the credibility attached to the stadium. Oh, also Mm -hmm. playing at the same venue. They must be big time, too. You know, people are very simple in this manner. So there's a wonderful glow about that stadium that can shine upon rugby, perhaps, uh, in a similar manner. So I like that point there. Uh, Roland, what are some of your thoughts when people talk about Vegas not being that mecca? Let's think outside the box. Let's go elsewhere. Well, um, I, I was obviously the greatest weekend of my entire life was probably in Chicago for the Ireland All Blacks game a few <laughs> years ago. Um, I remember I've just watched uh, videos and pictures to remember the day still because it's all a little cloudy, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I will say this for Vegas. There's a big reason why Vegas is number one in a lot of people's minds. Simply put, it's um, cheap accommodation um, and cheap flights. Uh, And those are massive factors when you consider the entirety of the country and other principalities outside. Uh, So when you can go on a budget, guys, to uh, it's going to make the wife a little happier when you say, oh, I only spent X amount as opposed to all of this other money that I could have spent in Las Vegas or in um, L.A., excuse me. Um, I just... 
Um, while I would love to personally go to L, uh, to the Coliseum myself, I've never been there. Um, uh, I would splash the cash probably to do that, but I know it's considerably more expensive. Uh, we had a sevens tournament that wasn't very successful there a year ago um, in California um, that took over from Las Vegas. Um, I didn't see that being particularly well um, attended. Uh, so I think Vegas seems to be the default place where the rugby community has actually decided for themselves that that's where they want to go. Right. So to reiterate, it's a commuter hub. It's easy to get to. It's reasonably priced. Um, you know, the weather, of course, being better than other locations yeah. further north, which is also a factor to consider, like Chicago. But let's focus on Chicago for a moment because there's a lot of people, including Mr. Rob Hammerschmidt, who says Chicago, Chicago. Who's not here. Right? Who's not here. <laughs> Who's not here. But I did, in his absence, want to share some of his points that oh, he Jesus. did actually send me <laughs> that, uh, of course, you know, Rob's always prepared and we love him for that. Um, but I wanted to be able to share some of the points. So one is that, of course, Chicago has proven to be able to host it at Soldier Field, very same or at least very similar event. The first time being the All Blacks, the second time being the Maori uh, All Blacks. Now, when they did the second time, there was actually a triple header event that included the women's rugby and included uh, uh, um uh, developmental side in between. Oh, no, sorry, it was Irish and anyways, I can't remember. But nevertheless, you made it almost like a festival type atmosphere. Now, to that counterpoint, they had a sellout crowd the first time at Soldier Field, right? So it's an NFL stadium filling a stadium with a rugby audience. That was unheard of in the American landscape until 2014 with 61,500 fans. So they tried to replicate the same thing four years later, and they did so with the Maori uh, uh, All Blacks. What happened, right? Well, there was half the amount of people that came. And so they thought, well, we know the attraction's not as big. Let's add more rugby to it. Let's make it a festival atmosphere. And uh, so they ended up with only 30,000, so half the capacity. So it, it wasn't even near the success it had before. Some people cited the fact that, well, the rugby quality wasn't the same. The attraction and the pool wasn't the same. Uh, the novelty wasn't there of, of being able to see the All Blacks as it had been in the past. So I'm going to swing this over to Tinas. In that regard, if this is going to be a team coming to Vegas that is not the All Blacks that we know and love and respect as the three-time world champions, do you think people will still be interested in what result would that be? For sure. I'm glad I can speak again. That's why I've been quiet all the time. I wasn't sure I'm allowed <laughs> to again. For once, I've listened to a referee in my life. <laughs> he's honest <laughs> uh, no gents um, I, I'm going to start by, by asking a question um, I, I missed that when they played at Soldier Field in Chicago was that a 70,000 attendance I know it's 70,000 seater how many yeah, so 61,500 which was at the okay. time considered to be a near sellout audience okay Fantastic. Oh, look, I think regardless if they bring a second string side, and I say second string in, in brackets um, uh, to play, or if they bring a first, uh, the, the, you know, the, the run outside All Blacks, it, it does not make any difference. I do not think it will detract from the value that the All Blacks bring to the game and bring to the general public at large. Um, I would go back to or specifically myself to the point, and, and I threw LA and I threw the Coliseum out there firstly. I know it's 80,000 uh, seater capacity, but 80,000, and that's why I asked about 70,000, that's a lot of people to fill a stadium on the back of COVID, on the back of where we might be still by, uh, by then, especially with the spin that you've thrown in with stadiums maybe being available or not. I would say, and my argument is, um, like when the Blue Bulls went, and I'm going to revert back to the old Blue Bulls style. We'll go back to the Blue Bulls in South Africa. They went and they yeah. took the game to play in Soweto, the Super 14 final in Soweto. Uh, now, uh, recently, all across South Africa, they've moved certain games down to Mombela Stadium. You've got to, and what you're currently trying to do in the U.S. is sell the game to the crowd at large. So, fantastic. We've played Chicago, Solar Field. We're looking at Vegas, and Vegas is a well-known hub, and, and I agree with everything you say, Roland from a uh, revenue perspective and from a, a complete package for the fan, great. But for development and for where rugby is heading in the U.S., give a new area, 
give a new demographic access to the game. If you're going to get 40,000, fantastic. If you get 60,000, brilliant. If you get 80,000, and it is the Coliseum for that matter, even better. So get the game to a new location, expose it to a new part of the state. It's a massive place. Get the game all across. Yeah. And I, I like that idea. And a lot of people are throwing out the idea that, well, if you're trying to grow rugby, pick a destination that you're you're like that already has rich rugby culture. So you could pick any one of the MLR cities that it's at least got a rugby culture established and building, or a a, a market that you wish to expand to. So that's kind of what you're you're suggesting there, Tinas. Yeah. However, we have to be able to rewind, and it was not so long ago that the USA rugby was fighting for bankruptcy. So we have to imagine this is going to be a very expensive exercise too. And if that is going to be the case, is this going to be driven more by revenue or is it going to be driven more by the value of exposure? Thoughts yeah. there, guys? Definitely uh, revenue. A, yeah, I think it's revenue as well, honestly. Also, I think that when you talk about international games, a lot of the international games are for the quote-unquote true rugby fans. And I, right. I, and, I, and I don't mean to be condescending, but people who love the game will travel for those matches. I cannot see, uh, you know, a newbie, you know, who might have known about the All Blacks but doesn't really know the history or anything like that uh, to, to jump <coughs> on a plane and go to attend a game. I don't care where it is, to be honest with you. But if the reason I say Vegas is you, if you had a friend, you'd be like, ah, I don't care if I like the match or not. At least I can go gambling, you know, yeah. or yeah. something silly like that. But it's an end. It's just an extra end. And yeah. I feel like... The more ways we can convey, you know, uh, have the game and add a few other aspects to the weekend right. uh, around it, it's better for the those added value that comes the with being in value. value. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and and the other thing is, you know, as a, a new fan, are they going to want to spend seventy, eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars a ticket to watch USA versus the All Blacks if they're a quote unquote new fan? You know, it, it's also a price point that I'm sure USA Rugby has a price point they want to hit for revenue. The other thing is, you know, Roland made a pretty good point about like talking about the wife. I guess Roland's going to do this and it's a boys outing because if I want to go to Vegas, my wife's going to say, I want to come with you, yeah. not watch the rugby. That's what I so was for us, yeah, for us, it'd be share on Friday night and then rugby on Saturday and we'd have to even out that way. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, gentlemen, those are all great points. But the one that we can't leave this conversation without addressing is the rugby performance itself with you know very miserable results in the past. You know, the USA has been fortunate enough to meet uh, the All Blacks on a handful of occasions. And, you know, the one that sticks in my mind and for many USA fans is 74-6, the scoreline, uh, when they met at Soldier Field. So what do you say to the critics out there? And I'll hand it back to Tennis on this one who say, again, and, and I'm sure you're going to talk about playing better to be better, but for those fans, is there any value in going to go and see your team get trounced by a, 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 you know, a top team in the world? Does that actually have any ability to grow the sport with new fans? Well, I'm going to start with, I actually took off the shirt, but uh, Rugby Coffee, what is Rugby Coffee's slogan? It's not just a game, it's a way of life. It's a way right? of life, yeah. Right, so in life we win, we lose. Uh, in life, he was testing me. He's like, "Shit, I know. I, I, I did my homework. I did my homework." <laughs> I saw Andy for a second there, but it's good. <laughs> Got the ref back. So um, I think, from a perspective where you get your fans in behind the team, one thousand uh, percent standing by them. Uh, again, if you're playing the first first string all black side, if you're playing the second string all black side, it's about experience gained. It's about fans standing behind their team. It's about it's about the, it's a it's a whole nine yards um, approach. Yeah. To it. Yes, I I do not I I cannot see uh, the 
I cannot see that it is nice to lose any game by 70 points and you can find positives in it. But the, the positive must be firstly what it brings to the American public and then from a fan perspective, uh, getting in behind. The, and also, the, let's not forget, the MLR has, has grown since then. The MLR, the exposure right. of yes, American rugby players in the league, uh, the international flair that's come into it. Let's give ourselves a chance. We're talking of the 70s where I say us, let's give ourselves a chance. I'm a North American now and for the foreseeable future will be uh, not going anywhere. So let's give ourselves a chance and uh, let's hope it is a second string side that we play and, and we can get up to that tempo and right. that our fans stand behind us and that our fans see this as a building process that starts off at national level, which is the right. MLR. And then that's it's the bar. So let me take the opportunity to kind of share a few of my thoughts to be able to hopefully round out this conversation before we head out of the segment. So, yes, you need to play competition greater than yourself to become greater yourself. So the All Blacks is going to be a pathway. And, you know, we would have the same conversation if it was Ireland or if it was the Springboks. So let's remove the factor that, oh, well, that team's so much greater than us. Well, we'll never be there unless we aspire to that and put ourselves to the test. Now, on that note, you kind of alluded it to a little bit there, Tennis, is that in 2014, there was no professional domestic rugby league in the U.S. and Canada. So players did not have the same opportunity and uh, to be able to, to play consistently, to be at high-performance level training facilities. They are now in a better position than they were in the past to be able to meet competition like that. That's one point I wanted people to recognize. Um, but, you know, that, that all aside, I personally love the idea. And let's go once around the table to be able to hear what you guys think. And let's start it where we started this round. Tennis, your final thought. Final thought. All for it. Can't wait to see the All Blacks play on USA swell. If it is in LA, if it is down in Washington, if it is uh, wherever the game is, is going to be, it's going to be a value not only for the spectators, not only for the players growing as players and uh for the coaches and of course to see where we at uh, leading into the next world cup and obviously with the challenges that lie ahead so all good for that perfect so you're obviously for it roland what do you think uh, I'm 100% for it. Also, uh, the reason that I am for it is this might actually be the very first World Cup cycle where the United States can actually plan ahead um, and right. and and properly blood in some players, figure out Gary Gold's in a great position right now. He doesn't have far to travel to see all his guys. <clears throat> and uh, every single one of them is getting better daily. Um, so the, the 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 squad is improving incrementally all the time. Uh, it's just going to be a win-win for everybody. The score leg is irrelevant, guys, at the end of the day. It's right. all about preparation for the big one. Absolutely. I love that. And, you know, it's a good point to be able to, to reiterate again. The score, you know, win or lose, rugby is going, going to grow and it's going to have the ability to reach a higher platform. So, yes, lots of upside. Scott, take us out. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a good thing. Obviously, my iron sharpens iron moniker comes in when we're talking about the All Blacks or any of these Tier 1 teams that we play, no matter when we play them. Um, secondly, I think Vegas is the place to do it again. They're obviously open to it. Um, you know, there's all the extracurricular activities. And number three, MLR should take the opportunity to do something like, you know, a touch sevens tournament with just the best players in the MLR and and just have a showcase, you know, in the parking lot because you can roll out that field. I mean, a lot of football fields have these little fields that they have that they can roll out for practice fields. So roll that out and, and have the opportunity in this festival atmosphere to showcase the MLR, maybe by a touch sevens tournament with some of the players who are still under contract. Right. You have to uh, imagine that if it's going to be in Vegas, there's going to be really high entertainment value. So there's going to be all the things associated to it that we haven't even scraped the surface about. But ultimately, it stands to 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 be, you know, that we're all in favor of this. We all see the upside. Uh, we hope you at home will also be able to see the upside. If you disagree with us or agree with us, let us know. Drop a comment below, and we'll, of course, get to it as quickly as we can to be able to respond to that. But, of course, you can go ahead and let us know on social media by following us under the handle at RugbyRantPod on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok, where Scott, the big guy Ferrara, will be doing a happy dance for you every time Rooney wins. So that is it. It's out there. Now it has to happen. 
<laughs> but more importantly, you can also find us on all of your uh, streaming services, wherever you get your podcasts under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. So, gentlemen, we said what we need to say. Let's hear from our sponsors and we'll be back in just a moment. Tighthead Brewing Company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, and the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated. You know I like to be kept well hydrated, uh, so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead's tap room is like a familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and family can meet, socialize, and enjoy the action of every major league rugby derby that will electrify the 2021 season. Don't forget Rooney, Free Jacks, biggest derby in the MLR. Um, join us for week six watch party as the New England Free Jacks, boo, take on Old Glory DC. Boo. Sunday, April 25th at 2.30 p.m. Uh, the watch parties will happen every week through the season up to the Major League Rugby Final on August 1st. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. <sighs> and welcome back, rugby fans. As you can see, uh, we got the gang back together. It's got the big guy, Farrar, Tennis Benar, and Roland Roly Pratt. Guys, um, now we're going into our analytics segment. Um, we The game of the week we chose was uh, Toronto or Seattle at Toronto. Um, Toronto playing in, in Atlanta. Um, uh, and, you know, it, 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 let's start off first. You know, the game was scheduled at noon. Um, the game time had to be pushed earlier to 1030 for viewers that didn't get to watch um, due to COVID protocols because they had other things going around, um, uh, going on at Life or Lupo Field, Lupo Family Field at Life uh, University. You know, so just to give everybody kind of an overall view, uh, who maybe you don't know, maybe you just started watching MLR this week. Uh, Toronto has moved their whole operation and is sharing operations with uh, Atlanta. So they're sharing Lupo Field at Life University. So not only is there two professional rugby teams playing at Life University, there's also Life U uh, men's, Life U women's, plus all the Life U club teams that they have. So, you know, it's a lot of a lot of stuff you have to move around, and especially now we're going into, um, you know, semifinals and finals for women's and men's rugby. So they move it to 1030, um, not the optimal time. And really for Seattle, that's like a 730 a.m. game for them. So it's it's tough to play, and I think you saw that in the final score, uh, Toronto being victorious 52-7 to in that final score. So we're just going to go around again uh, in this particular round, we're not talking about really time frames. The two minute thing isn't really a thing. We just want to hear your analytics, what you have to say about the match. Tennis, we're going to start with you. Hey, fantastic. Thank you, Scott. Um, I think let's first start off with uh, 52-7. For me, it was one of the more emphatic wins so far in the MLR rounds to date. Uh, by I mean, closing out another team, completely shutting them down defensively. Um, you know, for me, one of the standouts so far in the MLR, and I, we said this pre, uh, pre-show, was almost like a basketball effect. It's a score one side, score other side, score one side, score other side. So from that perspective, the arrows really, you know, dominated the game from beginning to end. Um, they've been since round one for me. Obviously, they struggled in the first two matches, getting going and uh, adapting to being first and foremost, in another country, in another playing environment, no home fans, no home ground. So it's been a rough start. But Saturday, as with against the Giltinis, you know, when really just the red card shut them out and from there they ended up with almost 30 points against them, um, things came came together. Um, I mean, when I say came together, good set pieces, solid set pieces, good front football, uh, Brody, Parfrey and uh, Adams for the first time combining beautifully for me in the midfield and you know creating that massive holes that uh, was in the midfield and I think the first three tries you know was uh, first phase or it was first phase uh, moves from the back of a line out cutting up uh, slicing open the defense and scoring either from that or the second phase so uh, from that perspective very happy what I saw on the weekend I think for Bill Webb and myself uh, you know as a new Canadian that's just landed, uh, I haven't really, uh, from that perspective, say that uh, I'm a newbie on the ground when it comes to the MLR, all the players out there and everything. It's not a arrows cap I'm wearing. It's close <laughs> enough. It's the Blue Jays. <laughs> but I am fully supporting my Arrow boys uh, 
been fortunate to create a bit of a relationship with Bill and the guys, and uh, it's fantastic what they're doing. I'm very happy for that win on the weekend. And as I said, for me, it's been one of the more, and it's been coming. It's been coming for the Arrows. I'm going to say this again. Uh, it's it's a good build up. It's structured rugby they're playing. Um, it's it, it came off on the weekend. It came off beautifully, and uh, they've set the bar for themselves and the rest of the season. Absolutely. And I think the first two matches, especially, you know, I think they moved into their digs four days before their first match. And then their second match, they were still only, you know, it was one week of of practice and they were still only, you know, uh, whatever, 12 days since they had, you know, to change venues and change their lifestyle and, and change everything about their rugby to get down to Atlanta. So I think those first two matches really hit them hard. But as you said, you know, that third match, they got onto it and and this match, they got onto it. And I think, you know, it, it shows the, the explosive rugby they want to play and they put it on with, I think, according to America's rugby news, this was the biggest margin of defeat uh, for anybody um, in this 52 to seven match. So uh, Roland, what, what do you got, buddy? Uh, yeah, so the first thing I want to say is, um, from what I was told, Seattle had a very long plane delay just before um, when they were coming into Georgia. Um, I saw a tweet there from uh, their flanker, Dutrola, uh mm-hmm. that said that he was sat on a seat for quite a while. Uh, yes. But um, that's not to take away from the fact that uh, Toronto played an absolute masterclass of a game. Uh, the first <coughs> 20 minutes were scintillating. They scored basically a point a minute for that first quarter. Uh, they came out of the box just super hot. Um, you know, they dominated in almost all the areas, the set piece, line out scrums, the tackle area in particular. They were fantastic at stripping the ball away from the Seattle uh, uh, attacking players who seemed to be running a little bit high with the ball. Uh, they were able to get an arm or a hand in there, strip that ball away, jackal tackles, a choke tackles. Didn't matter. Several different ways of getting that ball away from the attacking team. Um, and after Seattle had put in several phases, uh, only to be turned over basically with inside the 22, this happened time and time again. And then it set up Toronto, who immediately would just use their 9 or 10 to kick the ball behind the backs of the uh, opposition forcing the charge, and then they would set up camp down in their half for almost the whole game. 50% of the Toronto attacks started inside the Seattle half, guys. That, mm-hmm. That's a pretty amazing statistic mm-hmm. just on itself. Um, possession, territory were very similar, almost 50-50, but it was just about the absolute accuracy of the Toronto players on the day that, that, stole, that stole it for me. The back, the forward backline uh, trio of... Uh, uh, De La Vega, Diana, and Rumbold were mm-hmm. on fire all day long. I am loving what those three players are bringing to the table right now. The the unheralded guy is De La Vega. They don't say a whole lot about him, but he's the six that gets in and tackles the guy at the ankles for the other guy to go in and jackal that ball. Yep. It's amazing to watch. They're so well refined at it. And then when they get the ball in hand, they're away. They're super fast as well. Um, I really am enjoying watching them as that three go. I think the Toronto Arrows will go um, tr- throughout the season. They have Several fantastic Argentinian players. Tukuli obviously scored the very first try. Montero is there. Hey, I think he had two or three assists on the day. He just looks like he's toying with the defense. Uh, you know, uh, the way he um, can launch himself inside, pass the ball outside, releases so much time and space for his partner on the outside. It's just beautiful rugby to watch. Um, I know they had a bad day against the Galtinis, but everybody else kind of has recently. But the Galtini's day is going to come too, I think. Uh, uh, but right now, they're the hot team. Toronto have had, as uh, you said, Dennis, they've had a really hard time over the last month. They were they were in digs in a hotel that they couldn't even cook their own food, guys. Uh, yeah. You know, how hard can a, as a professional athlete supposed to be, uh, you know, when he's not getting the proper fuel into him? You know, it's very, yeah. very difficult to be unsettled like that, you know, to be playing away from your home. You know, you're not even you're not even a thousand miles from home. You know, it's it's terrible. Then you get moved again down to NOLA, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know. You know, I, I, we can all complain about how hard Old Glory or Rooney or anybody else is having it at the to start the season. 
Nobody's had it harder than Toronto, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. You know, and they've gone on and they're doing great things with it. Um, for me, Seattle, it was their line speed on the day. Maybe it was sitting on their butts for so long on that plane earlier, um, but they really um, couldn't get their act together on the defensive line. They just couldn't make get that line speed correct. And when you give the Toronto players time and space, gosh, they're really good with it. Mm. And they push them time and time again, scoring beautiful tries with intricate passing. Um, some beautiful kick work as well. Uh, you know, uh, I have my, I had my issues with having Ben Sima at 15, um, to use a soccer parlance, I think he's an excellent sweeper, but probably mm-hmm. not a good goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. You know, so I don't think Ben is going to be the guy that's going to give you that try-saving tackle on the five-meter line. But he is the guy that'll absolutely howitzer that ball down seventy meters if he gets it. You know, um, I don't think it was the day to have him at fifteen when there was so much attacking pressure Speed. on the ball yep. day long. You know, so maybe I would like to see Ben go back to fly half where I think he's a much better player there and uh, he can marshal the attack. I didn't think that the Seattle kicking game was all that good to begin with anyway. So maybe they would consider moving Ben back up. Um, It's just something to consider. Um, But, um, you know, on the day, it was all about Toronto guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love watching them play. Um, you know, I saw them play against Old Glory two weeks ago when they got right, uh, three weeks ago, excuse me, they got right there, unfortunately. But uh, even while I was licking my own wounds that day, you can still appreciate when you see somebody that's actually put in a good shift and you have to give them <laughs> yeah. the cap sometimes. That's all you can do. And, um, you know, I'm really I, I I think that Toronto with Rooney right now might be the um starting to show mm-hmm. that their squad, those Argentinians, those Canadian players all coming together, they're they're looking tidy, yeah. they're looking like a like a really well oiled outfit right now. Yeah, absolutely. They're coming they're coming on strong. And I just realized that we sandwiched OG Rooney and Toronto. I didn't even put that together because I'm a little. I'm, like, yeah. I'm so I'm I'm so rugbyed out from the weekend and everything we do. I just realized that that this, this is how it worked out. But I yeah. think you're right, and you touched on a whole bunch bunch of points that I want to expand on. Um, as far as their line speed on defense, also translating to their lack of support on offense, which you were saying Toronto was getting those jackals. I felt, especially in the first 20 minutes, they were kind of leaving their ball runners out to dry oh. as far as the support. It just seemed to me like they were looking at the ball, the the guy running the ball and not realizing I have to get to that breakdown quicker. And that's not to say that Toronto, you know, that take anything off Toronto jackling the ball, but also, you know, maybe that number changes a little bit if, if, Seattle was more attentive to that breakdown, especially at the beginning. Um, and again, you were right. Duratalu did say, you know, it was a plane ride from hell pretty much. Um, and a bunch of other players, you know, that I talked to were like, yeah, it was, it wasn't the best plane ride. And then having a seven thirty, he's like, you know, most guys, what, when, when's the last time they did anything at seven thirty as far as play any type of game, not, you know, not even professional, you know, when yeah. they were kids, you know, so it's just something that throws you off your rhythm. So the plane ride threw them off the rhythm, the time threw them off the rhythm. It sucks. But I also have to say, Knock on wood, I'm, you know, a million times, we haven't had to cancel a game yet. So even though we've had to move game times and move game places, you know, it, it sucks for Seattle, and I feel bad for those fans because their team didn't have the run out that they needed to have based on those circumstances, and that friggin' sucks. But we didn't have to reschedule this game. The other thing you were talking about is the poor kicking, and I think you you kind of, you, you said what I was going to say is at Ben Sima at 10 because if you look at the starting um, attacking points for Toronto – uh, a lot of it was on if if Toronto was attacking the left side of their field, so that means all the exit kicks were going to the same side of the field. So you know if you have your ten generally doing your exit kicks from your your opposition or your your side of the field, kicking them to the same spot every time isn't doing anything because now they know it's coming there. And guess what? The wings and the fullback they're going to shift. So now the wings and the fullback shift. So what happens? You get a line break, and now you have the uh, support right next to you because that's every time you've kicked it, you've kicked it to this side. You know, and what did you see? 
you had the fullback finally scoring his first try, you know, and I think that's part of it. So I think if you move Seema to 10, maybe you'll have a little more differentiation in where they're doing their exit kicks. Um, Toronto did everything right. Uh, you know, their, their set piece was good. Um, minimize mistakes. You're right. They're coming on strong. Um, they're turning that, that they're turning on that, that key at the right time. Um, I do think that this, this is the, this has always been the style of rugby they've played. I don't think they've, you know, changed any of their style. You know, we saw it with DTH in 2019 and all that. So, but I also think a lot of the other teams have changed their style to this open field of play. And you've seen that you've seen it with OGs, you've seen it with Atlanta, you've seen it with Rooney. So I wonder if a lot of these teams that were, you know, Rooney was traditionally, I would say uh, UK style, um, you know, a European style of play. Now that they've opened it up, is 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 there really something to take advantage of? Uh, you know, uh, at Toronto when you were playing uh, when you know versus I'm rambling now, but that European style versus that Southern Hemisphere style that Toronto was playing, the Southern Hemisphere style matches up better. You know, so now that Rooney and OGs and Atlanta are playing that more free flowing style, I think it negates the advantage that Toronto had tactically in the first couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, yep, go ahead. Yeah, let me, uh, I, I want to get back to that part. You know, um, Roland said uh, that the Galtinis have set the bar so far. Yes, I, I agree to extent. But after Saturday, the, the Toronto side, the Arrows have set the bar. Um, by shutting out a team completely, by completely dominating, you know, a game is about, it's twofold, it's attack and defense. So if you look at all the scores from round one to now, uh, they have been back and forth, back and forth. It's a five point or a seven point margin, but it's five tries apiece. Now, me as a coach, uh, if there's, if I score five, six, seven tries in a game, fantastic. But if I, uh, if I succeed three or four tries against me, there's a problem. There's a problem, gents. <laughs> and game after game, if I've succeed so many tries, there's a problem on defense. I have to ask myself, then, what is going wrong? Now, Saturday with, with the Arrows, you rightly said, kicking game was superior. And Ross Brody, you know, that's a blue bull. That's a, uh, a kid they brought from South Africa. That's his type of game. And they blessed with now having uh, Taylor Adams, which is a 10, and Pat Parfait at 12 as well, which is also a 10. So they can play off either. Their kicking was on par. That creates the pressure. Then by dominating the breakdown and being one second faster than the rest there, jackling out, cleaning out the ball, you, you set the stage. Now, on top of that, they didn't let anybody through after that. And from that perspective, I believe the errors have set the bar so far in the twofold sense of the match, attack and defense in one game, walked away uh, victoriously. And, um, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I think I, I agree with you 100% on, on so much of that. I think that uh, we can all agree that MLR is becoming very much uh, a week-to-week league. Um, you know, I think we're all having our struggles and picking winners this year uh, and things of that nature. Um, it's it's, But that's what makes it exciting, right? It's when I'm watching MLR, I feel like I have to take off my, uh, you know, other leagues rugby hat. <laughs> yeah. You know, my Pro 14 or my Premiership or my Super Rugby hat has to stay over there because yeah. I'm about to watch the most crazy attacking rugby like <laughs> zero defense that uh you know and, and i'm loving every minute of it yeah, it's so yeah, damn exciting yeah. guys you know um but yeah there there's advantages and disadvantages with everything but toronto i think have to get the star of the week for this week uh, you know they were um, they were phenomenal the guys, Absolutely. the coaching, the coaching staff, uh, Rob Alley, you can definitely see, as you've mentioned, Scott, that Southern Hemisphere influence, you know, a, a strong kicking game, a strong defensive match. And that's why I say after five games and from where they started off and the momentum building up to Saturday's last performance, that's the bar they've set so far. And, and it's been great. It's been great to watch. And I think you can tell that in, if you want to use some analytical stats, you know, total rucks. So Toronto only had 79 total rucks to uh, Seattle's 101. And what I believe drives that stat is Toronto's defense doing what I call one and done tackles, having one guy make the tackle to bring the guy down. So that way the second guy can come in and jackal or not necessarily jackal, but counter ruck at the, at a specific time to maybe yeah. knock the nine or whoever's picking it up. You know, maybe they, maybe they knock on or the, the nines pass isn't as good because you counter ruck at a certain time. But I think having 20 more rucks meant 
that Toronto was taking taking the tackler, getting him down with one guy. And what does that do? That sets up your line defense so you don't have those holes and there's not those miscommunications to try and cover or the numbers aren't in your favor. So, you know, setting up the breakdown with with one tackler to get the guy down is is huge. And I think it showed and their dominance on defense showed. So, you know, what do you guys think? Uh let we I know we're talking about previous week and we generally don't do this but Rooney uh Toronto's coming up let me get a little what give me a score give me your score line that's I I have the score I have actually got to pick this game tomorrow night on my own podcast and (laughs) I'm I'm absolutely scratching my head I I'm going to shade Toronto in this game uh, I think just barely. I think it's going to be an absolute humdinger of a game. It's appointment viewing, and uh, I'll definitely be watching that game just before the Old Glory game, uh, which I think it's a two o'clock kickoff and then yeah, a three thirty kickoff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll be watching that for sure. I think Toronto right now might have my tick mark against the, with them, uh, but it's going to be a close one. It's going to be another within seven points game. I think, guys. Yeah, I fully agree that it's going to be a very close one. Um, the I uh, the last weekend where Rooney is right now and the, the, the you know the level that they played and the, the performance they put in, it's going to be a very very close match. I uh, I started my Super Brew and I'm on a Super Brew group with with Scott <laughs> and the boys. I started the Super Brew this year like the Arrows started their season. <laughs> <laughs> Touching around in the dark and just shooting, uh, shooting it out. And but it's getting better, and I think I'm like in a solid fourth spot now, or third spot somewhere <laughs> around there. So I'm also going to go just because of what I said earlier: the arrows having got momentum and building mm-hmm. up uh, and and setting that bar right there on the weekend. They're going to still be on that high. Uh, so I put them like I've done with most matches so far by one or two. Uh, and based on a kicking game, based on a solid fly-off kicking to posts and then and, and landing it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely feel it's going to be tight. But f- to get my pick, you guys are going to have to wait, uh, Rugby Rant fans, till Friday when we shoot our uh, when we drop our picks video. And if you haven't signed up, please sign up for our Super Brew League. Um, we do give away weekly prizes. So if you start right now, you still have a chance to win weekly prizes. Um, we are, you know, it, 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 we do give out prizes at the end of the Super Brew season. But again, it, if you st- if you guys start right now and you go six for six like the big guy did last week, you will win prizes. So check out our Super Brew League. Guys, you know, it's it's funny. I don't know who I'm going to give the winner to because, you know, you know, in the first segment, I was part of it, so I got to take myself out of it, right? So that's the first oh. thing. Um, <laughs> Can I just so say one last thing, guys? Before we yeah, finish sure. up, you got to give have... it to the guy with the smallest cup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we didn't mention one very important thing about that Seattle Toronto game, and it was the referee. Uh, like JP Doyle's an absolute legend, and the way he talked to Rhino Herbst in that game (laughs) just gave me goosebumps, guys. And uh, I just uh, salute to JP. Uh, can we get more of you every single week, please? Uh, Of course, of course, and you know. It's for actually shout out to Mike Lash who had a who had a who had Great to have a sit down too. with a bunch of a bunch of guys. Uh, <laughs> Rolly saw that saw what went on after a little bit of a high tackle and some extracurriculars, and he shut it down really quick. Um, I, I'm I, I was there, so I wasn't sure if they they broadcasted what he said to them, but you could hear it in the stands of, of oh, him yeah. being yeah. authoritatively like you know getting it he done. A, he but, had a good game. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's nice to see you know the referees taking control and not letting you know the play get too dangerous. But so I have to pick a winner. Um, you know, it's very hard, but not really. Um, tennis is the winner because he pays the bills. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I love that. That's completely yeah. fine with me because I'm not paying your bills. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, guys, it was. It's been a great show. Um, tons of great points it's it's always fun to have you know guys like roland on who who are in the ml i mean literally in the mlr you know the voice of the ogs uh the road to glory podcast which you definitely have to listen to it's out on all platforms do you guys do a video version too right not currently we just no? do the uh okay. we do the, the sort of the morning commute type deal gotcha <laughs> so check it out apple podcast spotify it's out everywhere check it out yep. road to glory podcast um tennis 
thank you so much for being on. You know, I, I joke about, you know, be, you know, keep get, being the sponsor, keeping the lights on, but we love partnering with Rugby Coffee. We love what you do. And for those of you that don't know, go check out uh, the website, Crowd Favorite, which is their North American blend is out now. There we go. Uh, the big guy loves it, uh, drinking it every morning before, you know, to power up before he goes to work. And I know there's a bunch of uh, viewers who've already bought it and they're just waiting for their, their, their packages to arrive, but, you know, continue to help us by helping tennis. Yeah, guys, be patient, be, bear with us. Uh, it's on the way. Um, and a big shout-out to our brand ambassadors in the MLR, DTH for Namarva, Dallin Stanford, commentator, and Carl Rogers with the NOLA Gold, guys. Uh, best wishes. And, guys, on the show, keep enjoying the coffee. It's a, it's a, it's oh, we we oh we do. Me and me and Rob send pictures of our rugby coffee to each other in the morning. It's like a work wives or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. But again, guys, uh, if you want to check us out on social media at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media, it's a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Zoom. I'm sure we're, we're on the old Zoom accounts. Um, we're everywhere you can get podcasts. Where you listen to podcasts, um, hit hit the like button. Give us comments. Let us know how we did. I'm Scott, the big guy for our for our guests, for Ty Braga and Rob, who couldn't be here. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at the next. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.